You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Roundtable Podcast brought to you by the Pulse Podcasting Network and me, your host, Matt Bruning. You can find me on Twitter at SportsFanaticMB. Have you been searching for the best ticket deals around? Well, look no further. With TickFlix, the price you see is the price you pay. And TickFlix just happens to have over $6 billion in ticket inventory just waiting for you. They absolutely mean it when they say every ticket, every venue, everywhere. And you can save even more with promo code PULSE in all caps to save you 5% off your total purchase. Just go to TixFlix.com and click the search bar. Search events based on your geographic location. Pick the show you want and BAM! It's showtime. Sporting events, Broadway shows, concerts and more with TixFlix.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for the email newsletter so you can stay up to date on the latest news and savings with TixFlix. That's TixFlix.com. T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Tix Blitz. They are the official ticket provider for the Pulse Podcast Network. Again, if you guys want to jump on there and find some tickets, you guys can use our promo code to get them cheaper, and they already come as the cheapest tickets in the business. Just use our promo code, which is uh, Capital Pulse, all capital. I don't know why I just said Capital Pulse, because Pulse is a full word. It is all capital, though, capital P-U-L-S-E, Capital Pulse. You guys will get off a fairly good percentage on your tickets. It's a great website. I'm telling you guys right now, get on there. Look, a big baseball fan that I am. You can already find spring training tickets on there if you guys are in Arizona or Florida for spring training. You guys can also get on there and get 2019 MLB tickets, regular season tickets on sale. You know, I've looked on there, again, living in Texas, being a huge Indians fan. I'm also a huge fan, again, of just baseball in general. Been looking around on there, and I've found some tickets for 40 bucks. There are no booking fees, no extra fees that you get hit with on all these other big ticket sites. You find a ticket on there for 40 bucks. When you go to check out, it only costs you 40 bucks. It's the best way to go. Check them out today. Again, use our promo code POLL. 
Rolls, all capital letters. So, for any of you guys that follow me on Twitter, you likely saw yesterday that uh, me and Dennis had actually recorded an NFC East preview and kind of review podcast yesterday, and I fudged up, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Let me Let tell, me you, tell why you why I, I suck. suck. So I ended up deleting the entire episode somehow. I was trying to get in there and uh, just mess with different things as I'm editing throughout the podcast and somehow managed to delete the whole thing. So Dennis will be back with me on Thursday, and that is when we will do that for today's podcast. It's going to be a, a pretty easy one. We've got a little bit of news that I'd like to go over, just kind of give my opinions on everything going on in the NFL with a couple trade rumors going on. Um, obviously, there was a big injury for a pretty big uh, prospect, NFL prospect coming out in the draft this year that I'm going to touch on today as well. After that, we will then, or I will then uh, talk about my uh, running backs. I've got a list that's going to be going out on the Back Row Fantasy Show site, uh, one of the sites that I write for. So today, I'm going to just talk about those lists. I'm going to give you guys kind of uh, an idea of what the article is, talk about a lot of the running backs in there. Uh, then I will give you guys an idea of what to look forward to here in the next coming days and weeks of the podcast. And then we'll wrap it up. We'll call it a day uh, and get back into the divisional breakdowns here next we're not next week next episode with thursday's podcast so with the news obviously most of you have got to know at this point by the time this podcast has come out antonio brown is likely going to be traded we've talked about a couple times here lately on the podcast uh the facts that we thought he might or might not get traded i thought that he would eventually get traded dennis was on the other side of that thinking that they would likely hold on to him because they really haven't given in to any other player in their past however the owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Mr. Rooney, met with Antonio Brown today, and apparently they mutually agreed that it is time for him to part ways and leave the organization. Again, I, I thought this was coming just with the way that he has been acting lately. Um, you know, I, I understood where Dennis was coming from on that. They really haven't given in to anybody. They obviously let a dynamic back in Le'Veon Bell sit the whole year without paying him, uh, so it was very... I mean, it was it was uh, not a bad call at all on his part. Obviously, a lot of people were right there with him thinking that it wouldn't happen. I just thought the way that he handled the situation, everything he did was going to lead to this point. And I, I just want to say really quick that a lot of the people piling on AB, we don't know what really happened. So we might want to stop judging him right off the bat and some of the stuff we're hearing because a lot of the stuff coming out is all coming out through random sources and here and there throughout the franchise uh throughout the Steelers organization and being leaked into the media we haven't heard a lot a lot from Antonio Brown now granted when he is talking and on Instagram and everything which is with his bleach mustache he does look to be a little bit crazy um uh which is I guess a, a, a something in itself to talk about on its own i guess I, I wouldn't put that in there with what's going on right now but a lot of the stuff that you've seen him say and and really stuff that's gone on in the past leads to there's just being a bigger issue in pittsburgh right now again he points a lot of it toward big ben and not giving him the respect he deserves um you know you, you can't say that, that he's the only person that we've ever heard that from from big ben um 
then again, uh, a lot of people have kind of been trashing on AB as being a bad teammate, and he makes that somewhat believable with the way that he's been acting. So whichever way you look at it, I don't really like the way that people have been trashing on Antonio Brown. I'm not even a big Antonio Brown fan, to be honest with you guys. Uh, but the way that people are kind of trashing on him, not knowing the full story, I think we all need to kind of pump the brakes and see what happens. Um, I talked about it, obviously. I thought that San Francisco would be a good fit. I also think Arizona would be a really good fit that could possibly try and rebuild that team um, a lot quicker, possibly in a, than a three- or four-year turnaround if they're able to get someone like A.B. They have the cap space. They'll be able to do it. The real question at this point will be is if they actually do do it and what they can get back for him. I know there were some reports that came out here recently saying that they can only get like a fourth rounder back for them. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't move A.B. if that's all they can get back for one of the best wide receivers in the game, possibly to ever play the game with as good as he's looked at times. You know, I've heard multiple people arguing that he could literally, by the end of his career, possibly can be considered right up there with Jerry Rice. I know that's blasphemy for some people. Erroneous! Erroneous! Erroneous on both counts. As again, many people will never be able to put him ahead of Jerry Rice. I don't know if I would do it either, but it has been something that's been talked about. And he's definitely produced on the field to at least be in the discussion as a top wide receiver in the game. Speaking of top wide receivers in the games, there's been a lot more rumors going around about Odell Beckham Jr. possibly being traded. Obviously, there was a big deal about it on Twitter, I would say probably at least a week and a half, possibly two weeks ago now, where Jay Glazer made the bold prediction that he thought the Giants would move on from Odell Beckham Jr. and it caused a Twitter firestorm. People were going off on Jay Glazer, which caused him to then go on a um, profanity-filled rant on Twitter telling everybody to pretty much F off and leave him and his family alone, which in most parts is probably well-deserved because people really need to cool on Twitter being a bunch of idiots, let's be honest. Um, but it's now looking likely that it might happen, that his bold prediction might actually come true. And of course, not that surprising as Jay Glazer is very plugged into a lot of different teams, especially the New York Giants. But there have been reports coming out here over the past couple days that the Patriots were very heavily involved in trying to get him at the, at the trade deadline last season. Uh, there are other teams now making moves at him as well. And, well, wouldn't you believe it, the 49ers, the team that I think should go get Antonio Brown, who also says that they're interested in Antonio Brown. So we'll see what happens with Odell. I find it hard to believe that they would trade him. I think that would really... Obviously means the offense is going to have to revolve solely around Saquon Barkley, and I'm just not sure that they're going to be able to do anything and possibly even really move the ball as good as Saquon is if that's all they really have to focus on. The wide receiver core would be trash outside of that. Um, something that obviously we will talk about at the NFC East preview here on Thursday. But if they do let Odell go, you're looking at right now Benny Fowler, Cody Lattimore, and uh Sterling Shepard being their main wide receivers. Obviously, they have a couple guys like Corey Coleman, who will be free agents they might be able to bring back, but that's, that wide receiver core looks just downright disgusting without Odell Beckham Jr., um, and I don't really think you can rely on Eli Manning moving forward if he doesn't have someone like Odell to get the ball to. Granted, he did almost, in my opinion, probably pull a very diva-ish like move, uh, like Antonio Brown, and Antonio Brown not playing in the last game because of a supposed quote-unquote injury. We saw the same thing with uh, Odell Beckham really and you go back and look at it he wasn't on the injury report the entire week then I believe pops up on the injury report on Saturday and then sits out and then he's actually not on the injury report I believe the last game that he was supposed to play in uh, and yet he just didn't play anyways and the Giants came out and said it was based dude injury much like Antonio Brown uh, obviously a lot of rumors going around that he possibly just sat those games out because he did not want to get hurt 
because the Giants were out of it. Obviously, no way to prove that. The only one who really knows that is Odell, and I highly doubt that he's talking or telling anybody about that. So those are two high-profile wide receivers that could possibly be on the move this offseason. Uh, really interested to see if either one of them gets moved. I would say that the say Odell getting moved was probably a 20% chance that that happens, but I would say AB is 90%, especially with the fact that the owner has already met with him and they both agreed to make that trade happen again. Now it just kind of comes down to if they can actually get anything for him, and I kind of feel like both sides have kind of ruined uh, their value in trying to get more back from AB, obviously, with some of the antics that he's pulled since then with the social media posts and saying that any you know, teams that want me come call me, which they can't do because it's tampering, um, and that even though the Steelers are looking to trade, they did come out and say that Antonio Brown and his agent could not look for a trade uh, which kind of eliminates him talking to other teams although I'm sure back channel wise there's they could still do that and then obviously the Steelers coming out and saying that they do want to move out for him also kind of takes away some of their value with him or I shouldn't say value I just say leverage they've kind of lost their leverage with him and possible trade talks saying that they already kind of want to get rid of him the last bit of news for today again involves well, wouldn't you guess it, the wide receiver position. Marquise Brown out of Oklahoma had surgery, um, I believe it was last month back in January, of, on his foot for a Liz Frank injury, which he suffered in the Big 12 championship game, ended up playing in the playoff game as well against Alabama, which is pretty pretty ballsy in my opinion because I've heard, I've never had that injury obviously, but I've heard that it's very painful. So for him to go out there, finish the Big 12 championship game, and then obviously play in the playoff game, I think it's a pretty big deal. Uh, but he will miss the combine, pro days, all that stuff. I personally don't think it's a big deal for him. So obviously it sucks knowing that uh, we won't get to see him participate in those things. It would have been awesome to see him run the 40 in the combine. As I've talked about on here with Dennis, I thought he would be the second fastest player to run the 40 this year behind Paris Campbell of the Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, but obviously we won't see that, and I don't think it's that big of a deal. I just, I really don't. Uh, we saw him in pads and everything all year long. The teams have all kinds of tape on him. They know what he can do in the games, and I think that's all that's really going to matter I would think if there was a shot that he was going to go in the first round which I don't think he would have I, I see some people talking about how he was like a first round or possible one one at the wide receiver position I don't see that I never saw that I thought that was a little bit crazy talk in all honesty um, but I think that likely if that was the case at worst he's going to drop into their second round uh, I still think that he'll go in the second round with the injury because all the reports are that he'll be available by the summer he'll be ready for training camps and everything for whatever team drafts him so that's really not that bad you just don't get to see him run in the combine in the pro day still sucks like I said because uh, he's a very high-end prospect someone a lot of us wanted to see run through the combine drills and everything and do everything we just don't get to see that this year Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is 8-Bit Ray from the Gorilla Brain Podcast, part of the Pulse Podcast Network. Did you know that you could be using this spot to advertise your company or business? Well, I've done the research, and PodcastInsights.com report that podcast listeners are loyal, affluent, and mostly college-educated, but most importantly, are five times more likely to interact with the ad they hear on their favorite podcast than an ad from any other medium. If you would like to advertise your company or brand with our network, it's simple. All you have to do is send an email to marketing at pulsepodcastnetwork.com. I'll say it one more time. Marketing at pulsepodcastnetwork.com. And we hope to hear from you soon. Now you kids are probably asking yourselves, hey Matt, how can we get back on the right track? 
Well, to get back on the right track, we are going to do some prospect talk again today. My favorite part in the business, in all honesty, it's something that I spend a lot of time doing. Again, I've got an article going up with the Back Row Fantasy Show here Likely in the next couple of days, so I just want to talk some more about my running back prospects here as uh, we are getting closer and closer to the combine, and these guys are getting closer and closer to being drafted onto our dynasty team. So my number one, David Montgomery out of Iowa State. I've been pretty consistent having him there. Um, so last season, his uh, his college career was his junior year, 12 games, 257 attempts for 1,216 yards, 4.7 average 13 touchdowns, 22 receptions for 157 yards, 7.1 average, did not have any touchdowns. Actually, no receiving touchdowns at all in his college career. He epitomizes what the NFL back of old is. He's he's a stout, tough runner who will need, you know, if he needs four yards, he's going to take the ball and get you five while running over some guys. He just, he's awesome. He doesn't have a lot of speed, not a great receiver, but I mean, he, when he lowers his shoulders and just drive through guys it's magnificent to see a lot of people will likely have him lower in their ranks because they're looking for the more explosive guys but i'm going to take the consistency over explosiveness every day of the week for me number number two is Darrell henderson out of memphis his final year again was his junior year as well 13 games 214 attempts for 1909 yards guys 8.9 yard average and just for that that's two years in a row he's at an 8.9 yard average 22 touchdowns 19 receptions for 295 yards, 15.5 average, and three touchdowns. What I liked about what I saw out of him his junior year was the fact that well, teams were keying in on him, and yet he was still able to get 8.9 yards in average. A lot of teams knew he was going to get the ball because he was the focal point of the Memphis offense, and yet was still able to roll. He's one of the most intriguing prospects for me this year. He has continued to improve every year and completely blew everyone away with what he was able to do his junior year. Uh, what makes it more interesting, in fact, is that everyone knew he was going to be getting the ball. Like I said, he's just been he was the focal point of the offense, and yet he had his best year in college this past year, his junior year. Uh, he's someone I'm really looking forward to being at the combine because I really want to see how he tests uh, and everything that he does there. For me, my number three is Rodney Anderson out of Oklahoma. So his junior year, which was his final year, he had just the two games, 11 attempts. Um, you know, uh, I have a, has 11 yards. It was obviously 111. I messed that up. But, uh, but 10.8 yards in average and three touchdowns. Again, in just two games, he was already balling out. Uh, but his sophomore year, which is by far his most productive, 13, uh, 13 games, 188 attempts for 1,161 yards, a 6.2 average, 13 touchdowns. He did get 17 receptions, 281 for yards for uh, 16.5-yard average. Uh, just balled out with Baker Mayfield that year. For me, he's got a... a He's an elite running back. He's, for me, a clear-cut elite running back, to be honest with you. Many will think he's too high and, and is a reach for him due to his knee injuries, uh, and it is serious. It's a significant injury risk taking this guy that early, but for me, I'll do it. I'd be willing to take him that early because I love taking risks, and I want to get elite backs. I'm not worried about the injuries as much just because – if he stays healthy, then you have the elite back. And I think a lot of people are likely going to have him ranked closer to 10, which means you can likely get him in the second round of drafts. And if he would have stayed healthy all year, again, this is a guy coming in to start this year as a Heisman front runner. Okay, much like, you know, Saquon, well, he's not Saquon Barkley, or I was going to say Josh Adams, because Josh Adams, Josh Adams was a Heisman runner last year, uh, but then suffered the injury and kind of dropped off everybody's draft boards, ended up getting picked up by the Philadelphia Eagles as an undrafted free agent. We saw how well he looked at times. Uh, but for me, I think Rodney Anderson, he's just, he's a 
amazing, man, and I just don't understand why so many people have him so low. I do think it's mostly due to the injury risk. I don't know for sure if he'll be at the combine. That is something I will look into more. I had I had the list of combine invitees with me, and I forgot to forgot to grab it and look at it. Mostly because I'm saving that for Monday's episode, which I'll get into here after I'm done talking about my list here. Uh, So for me, number four is Miles Sanders. So anybody who listens to the podcast knows how big I am on Miles Sanders. Uh, So again, he left out after his junior year as well and sat behind Saquon Barkley the past two years. So obviously did not get a lot of production, but this year was finally the guy. In 13 games, he got 220 attempts, 1,274 yards for a 5.8 average, nine touchdowns, 24 receptions for 139 yards, 5.8 average, uh, no touchdowns. Uh, He's my favorite prospect in this class, like I just said, and and he has been for a while now. I think he's getting extremely overlooked here, Um, so it might be hard for me to judge him fairly. He sat behind Saquon Barkley, who obviously was a pretty good prospect in his own right. Sarcasm. Uh, The best prospect ever. I love you, Saquon. You're my guy. Anyways, uh, when he finally got the chance to start, he finished – He flashed his brilliance in what he did in his junior year. He has some of the most exciting runs I've seen on tape, and if he had been given a chance to be a multiple-year starter, he may very easily be sitting as the number one in this class. That's how much I believe in Miles Sanders. Again, I am one of those people who's extremely high on him as well. You go and look at a lot of other people's prospects ranks, and he's not even in the top five or six of their running backs. I think he's going to be number four. I think he has a chance to be right up there with these other guys. Um, And then number five for me is Josh Jacobs out of Alabama. Obviously, the guy everybody has going at their 1-1 right now. Uh, So he left, obviously, much like all these guys are pretty much leaving after their junior years because they want to maximize their value. 15 games, 120 attempts for 640 yards, 5.3 average, 11 touchdowns, 20 receptions for 247, a 12.4 average, and three touchdowns. Again, he's getting a lot of comparisons to Alvin Kamara, which I think people kind of need to pump the brakes on, but uh, he's the last guy in my tier one, and he may be the one player who has risen his stock to an astronomical value over the past few months, from a guy backing up Damian Harris to eclipsing him now for many people, the best back in this class. Many have compared him to Alvin Kamara and believe he has the upside as well. I personally haven't quite jumped on that train. Jacobs really burst onto the scene in the back half of the 2018 season and definitely showed he is a better runner than Harris. I'm a little worried buying into his hype based on the fact that the biggest workload came in his junior year and he still hasn't or wasn't the feature back for most of the season that said from what we put on tape he is has had if he has a great combine and pro day he will likely be one of the first backs drafted and that's going to be huge obviously if he's drafted um to a really good team his value is going to skyrocket even more i'm just a little worried about him and i know that sounds like i'm kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth because we have not seen that much out of miles sanders either who i'm also very big on the difference was miles sanders was the guy all season long at penn state we saw it we saw what he could do with 200 carries i mean right now josh jacob has barely put up over 250 carries in three seasons at the college level and i understand alabama behind a lot of good backs still if he was as good and explosive as everybody said he has been when you're looking at the tape and he does have some really good runs he does look really good at times when you go and look at the tape 
why wasn't he able to eclipse Damian Harris earlier? Because he's clearly not as good as Damian Harris. We've all admitted that now, so why wasn't he able to eclipse Damian Harris last year? Because Damian Harris was the guy almost the entire season last year, and he couldn't eclipse him. So for me, there's something that needs to be said there, and I, I just think we're getting so infatuated with this little bit of what we've seen from him because all we can watch is this little bit, and he's looked really good in those little bits of film that everybody is just kind of hyping this guy up more and more. They're jumping on the train. It's going, it's going, it's going. It's building up all this steam. He kind of like a, a big choo-choo train. And it's just, it just doesn't seem like it's going to stop. And Josh Jacobs is going to end up being the 1-1 in all these drafts. And I would not be surprised if he busts because I'm just not that high on him. That being said, again, I still have him in my tier 1 at running backs. I still have him as an elite running back in this class. I'm just not sold that he is the 1-1 overall like everybody else. Maybe I'll come around to that at that point, and I could be dead wrong. Obviously, if you've got 99 people saying that he's going to be a sure thing, and then you have one guy in the corner saying that it might not, he might not be, you know, I guess we'll see who's right. I'm, I'm not ready to confirm him to be the best back in this class yet. I would take all three of those guys over him, which is good news for me because that means I'm not, definitely not getting Josh Jacobs, but chances are I'm going to be able to get at least one of those three guys because we know Josh Jacobs is likely going to be drafted by everybody else ahead of all those guys that I listed where I would take him. For me at number six, I have Travion Williams out of Texas A&M. In his junior year, he had 13 games for 271 attempts, 1,760 yards, a 6.5 average with 18 touchdowns, 27 catches for 278 yards, a 10.3 average, and one touchdown. Williams is quite an exciting prospect for me to evaluate. After having a productive freshman season, he didn't quite live up to the billing his sophomore year. However, he suffered an ankle injury very early in the season and never looked completely right. Fast forward to 2018 and his junior year, and he was lights out, vault him into the top of tier two for me he has good size and speed and will be very interesting to watch throughout the process i think that uh he's definitely a much better runner than a lot of people are giving him credit for and then obviously is very good in the receiving game as well i like williams a lot he's someone that i think is going to start getting a lot of late combine hype after he does the combine and pro day and people see how electric he can be i think he's going to get boosted up a lot of people's boards um i don't think he I shouldn't say I don't think he might. If he can put on a little bit of weight and not lose that much speed, I think he might have a chance to be a three-down back, but I think he's more likely going to be someone kind of a change-of-pace guy and then come in and possibly do different stuff. I I don't want to compare him to Alvin Kamara like a lot of people are doing Josh Jacobs, but I think if he could get in a role like that where he comes in, gets a couple carries here and there, gets the gets the ball, you know, after behind some screens and everything, he's able to do some touch or get some receiving work and get some catches in the receiving game is what I meant to say guys I'm sorry I can't talk Uh, get some catches in the receiving game and do something with I think you could be a very intriguing prospect at the next level for me net number seven is Devin Singletary at FAU so in 12 games 261 attempts 1348 yards for 5.2 average 22 touchdowns six receptions for 36 yards a six point average his best season though was his sophomore year 14 games 301 attempts for 1918 yards 6.4 average 32 touchdowns 19 catches for 198 yards 10.4 average and one touchdown uh so for me he sits near the top of what is an extremely deep tier two uh for me at running back while singletary is a good prospect he has some flaws and many question what he'll be able to do against elite talent he has still been extremely productive in his three-year college career and is able to show if he is able to show out during a draft process he should be drafted in the middle rounds and his landing spot could be key for him his development. He's one of those guys that I think 
is not going to be a three-down back, but again, much like Williams, can be very productive in a certain role. We've seen a lot of teams go to these two-back systems. I believe if he goes to the right two-back system, he could be a very, very good fantasy player, and that's why I put in there. His landing spot is going to be key for him, I think. He's definitely someone I'm watching, though, um, to see where he goes. Number eight for me is Elijah Holyfield, so someone who's dropped a little bit since we've done this uh, talk. Me and Dennis did our RBs. I think I had him at the top of Tier 2. Technically, he's still up there, but I had him closer to 5 and 6 than I do now. I have him down to 8 just based a little bit on some of the tape I've been watching on him, but his junior year... 14 games, 159 attempts for 10 uh, for 1018, 1018 yards. I don't know why it's a 1018. 6.4 average, seven touchdowns, just five receptions for 40 yards and eight point average. So again, he doesn't do much in the receiving game. He's another player in tier two that has been boosting his stock throughout the season and made a name for himself. Stuck behind an extremely talented back. His first two years, his junior year, allowed him to flash some skills. So just just put it this way: he's been there for three years, so he's been behind Nick Chubb, Sonia Michelle, and now Swift. I mean, he's been stuck behind all these guys. We've never really gotten to see a lot out of him, which I think is going to be big because he is one of the prospects I could see jumping into Tier 1. However, his lack of work in the receiving game does worry me and translate into the next level. Um, He is my sleeper pick of this draft. Why I say that is he is a great runner, and we have not seen that much of him, and he doesn't have a lot of work on his legs because of that. He, however, doesn't do almost anything in the receiving game, so I could see him coming in and being that first and second down grinder who's going to get you yards that he likely could probably get because he'll run some people over, but he's just not going to do much in the receiving game. So he's one of those guys that, again, landing spot matters wherever he goes. I would view him almost... I don't want to compare him to Jeremy Hill because a lot of people have a bad taste in their mouth based on what Jeremy Hill did toward the end of his career with the Bengals. But if he can land in a situation like that, maybe, where he's the main guy for the first couple downs and you have a guy in like Giovanni Bernard who can be electric in the receiving game and kind of be that change of pace back. I think Holyfield could be very productive at the next level. Again, my sleeper pick, really, really interested to see what he does next week at the Combine. Number nine for me is Benny Snell out of Kentucky. So his final year, 13 games, 289 attempts for 1,449 yards, 5.0 average, nine, I'm sorry, 16 touchdowns, 17 catches for 105 yards, a 6.2 average. Benjamin Snell Jr. He made a name for himself this year while racking up 1,400 yards and going off in big games. Snell was one of the biggest reasons Kentucky was so good throughout the year and had a chance to play for the SEC title game. While we argue he had a much better season his sophomore year and probably should have got more recognition then, he's here now and is likely going to be a name we hear a lot in the NFL. And I'm sticking by that right now, although he is the one prospect that I'm extremely worried about. Uh, I think the fact that nobody has really heard about him until this year might be a little bit alarming. I'm not going to jump on that train yet, but I have heard some people talk about it. Kentucky has obviously not been great the past couple of years, so that might be have something to do with it. He was definitely the focal point of his offense. And then obviously the way he looked in games, the sports center highlights, the interviews and everything is really kind of what boosted him up a lot of people's boards and really got everybody paying attention to him. And it was well-deserved. He deserved the attention that he was getting, but that is why I have him down at 9 right now because I'm just not fully – sure on him. I need to go back and watch more tape on him. There's a handful of guys here that I have that I just want to watch a little bit more tape on and kind of see what they do throughout the combine and pro days before I really give my full analysis and completely rank them. But in all honesty, I just... 
from everything I've seen from Benny Snell, I don't see him moving up much more from nine for me, but I also don't think he'll he'll fall out of my top twelve. So he's definitely up there in the top of this class. You know, top twelve he'll be he'll stay in he'll remain in the tier two more likely. No matter what, for me, I don't see him moving out of tier two. For me, I just don't think I I see myself moving him up much more than what he's at right now. At number ten, I have the aforementioned Damian Harris from Alabama. Uh, his he played actually through his senior year. So in a senior year, fifteen games, one hundred and fifty attempts for eight hundred and seventy six yards, five point eight average, in nine touchdowns, twenty two receptions for two hundred and four yards, and a nine point three average. Damian Harris looked to be primed. To be the best back at Alabama in 2017 coming into the 2018 season. For most of 2018, that proved to be true. However, Joshua Jacobs showed up and slowly but surely started to drain the hype away from Harris and gave it to himself. Harris is a good back. However, there's still a very serious stigma against Alabama backs, especially when it comes to fantasy, when only Mark Ingram has been considered a success at the pro level. The good news for all the Harris fans is he projects to be more like Mark Ingram, in my opinion, than any other Alabama back. And I think that that's very true. He's very good in the receiving game. I actually think he's a little overrated as a runner, um, but he can get you some pretty good yards in the rushing game. I actually think he'll be very much like Mark Ingram at the next level. So, again, what does that mean? As much as I've been saying about the last of these couple guys in the Tier 2 section here, it's landing spot. And hoping your coach doesn't hate you like Sean Payton seemed to hate Mark Ingram there his first couple years with New Orleans. He obviously had a couple good years as well, but then it seemed like whenever he was going good, Sean Payton gave him like four carries and then sat him on the bench for Traveris Cadet and guys like that when Mark Ingram was clearly the better back. At number 11, I have Justice Hill out of Oklahoma State. In his junior year, final year, 10 games, 158 attempts for 930 yards, a 5.9-yard uh, average, 9 touchdowns, 13 receptions for 68 yards, and a 5.1 average. Justice Hill is getting a lot of comparisons to Travion Williams, who is higher up in my ranks. My biggest difference between the two is Hill is a much better runner, while Williams is a much better receiver. Uh, while he had success his first two years rushing the ball, that didn't happen as much this year. However, he did miss three games due to an injury. He's an explosive weapon and has some of the most exciting runs that I've been able to watch on tape. His size will be the biggest thing holding him back at the next level. 5'10", 190 pounds. That will be a big deal. But again, I don't see him being a three-down back. He's not going to be a I shouldn't say feature back. No, I should say feature back. He's not going to be a feature back. He's not going to be someone they bring in like our Hills our guy. He's going to handle everything, the entire workload. He's not a workhorse. But he can be used very well. My hope for him is he lands somewhere with an innovative offense, San Francisco. You know, love myself some Matt Breida, but the only problem is he's very much like Jarek McKinnon, so I don't know if that would work that well. But somewhere in an offense that's going to use him the way that Kyle Shanahan used Devonta Freeman's Evan Coleman. We'll see what happens with that. I expect him to blow the combine away, and I'm excited to watch him over again next week. Number 12 for me I think is going to be surprising for a lot of people. It's Bryce Love out of Stanford. So Bryce Love obviously stayed for his senior year, 166 attempts uh, in 10 games for 739 yards, a 4.5 average, 6 touchdowns, 20 receptions, and 99 yards for 5.0 average. Again, suffered some serious injuries here. Obviously tore his ACL in their bowl game. Will miss, obviously, pretty much all of this year. I'd imagine no matter where he gets drafted, and he will get drafted, uh, he's likely not going to play this year. But I just want to go back to his junior year. And remember just how good he was here, people. In 13 games, 263 attempts for 2,118 yards, 
8.1 yard average, 19 touchdowns, and then of course he's never been big in the receiving game, just six receptions for 33 yards. That's always been CMC's game. He's been very good in the receiving game where Bryce Love wasn't. That's where the comparisons would always kind of drive me crazy because they're not the same player. They never have been the same player. Bryce Love is a much better runner than CMC was at the time. CMC has definitely improved and become a very good runner. Love is still a very intriguing prospect, and I think it's still a very good prospect. Again, I think for fantasy, it's good news for people who are going to be paying attention to him that obviously he got hurt and will likely be out this year because you'll likely be able to get him late out. Imagine late second round, maybe even early third round. It's still haven't seen a lot of rookie mocks coming up out yet. You'll likely see that once the combine ends. I think a lot more, and we'll definitely talk about those going um, around that time once we see a lot more data coming out on that. But I do think Bryce Love has a chance to be a stud at the next level. Again, a lot of people comparing him to Christian McCaffrey. Guys, he's not Christian McCaffrey. He's not going to do in the receiving game what McCaffrey has done uh, but he's still a very good runner so that is all that I really wanted to talk about today again I just kind of wanted to get something out there to you guys talk a little bit with you guys since I messed up yesterday's episode so bad just to give you guys an idea going forward so again I mentioned Thursday we will be talking about the NFC East me and Dennis it'll be out either Thursday night or sometime Friday uh, to get you guys something to listen to over the weekend on Monday we will be having a very Special guest coming on and joining us to talk about the combine and prospects. I am extremely excited about bringing him on. Good guy in the community. Writes a lot of really good articles. Um, I don't want to give it away yet, so I can't say who he is or what he writes or who he writes for. Um, but that will be definitely something we touch on once we bring him on Monday. Again, he does a lot of really good stuff. Um, I've, I've read a lot of his articles here lately. He's just been knocking them out of the park. Uh, he's also a Cleveland Browns fan and a season ticket holder. So we will definitely do some Cleveland Browns talk as well. I can't wait to bring him on. I'm super excited about that. I know Dennis is excited about that as well, um, to have him on there again. He's a guy we've both um, talked with back and forth on Twitter. He's just a really good guy. Actually, Dennis was the one who uh, introduced me to him through Twitter, and I've gotten to know him a little bit more, and I'm excited to bring him on here and talk about prospects. for the do a full combine and prospect preview on Monday's episode, and then next Thursday, we will finish up the NFC East by doing the NFC West. Uh, again, can't wait to start doing those and knocking those out, and then obviously once the combine's over we'll do a combine uh, review episode as well might might bring that guest back on as well again because i think he uh is very good with his prospect talk pays very close attention to those guys so definitely we'll talk with him about possibly bringing him on to review the combine as as well as we're obviously bringing him on to preview the combine on monday so guys thank you so much for listening to the fantasy roundtable podcast please rate review subscribe the podcast if you guys have time you guys again will be uh, entered to win some free swag from 500 level and the podcast i'd really appreciate it as well again check out ticks blitz guys i'm telling you this site is awesome if you guys are looking for anything sports related um you know concerts well i don't think they do they don't do movies but plays concerts they have comic-con tickets on there for christ's sakes i mean these guys have it all extremely cheap pricing use our promo code pulse all capital letters save you guys even more money we really appreciate it jump on to the pulse website guys check out our gear um you know we're we're pushing that stuff. Obviously, it'd be awesome uh, to have if to have you guys get that stuff because we're going 
to do a little bit of stuff with the podcast and different leagues and everything moving forward. Um, have a little bit of a corny thing going here that we'll talk about eventually. I'm not ready to release it just yet, but it'll be coming out here fairly soon uh, with the listeners of the podcast and all this stuff. So I cannot wait to talk to you guys about that stuff, but guys. But seriously, thank you so much. Uh, you guys are continuing to grow and continuing to support me, and I really, really appreciate that. I, I, I mean, words cannot express how much it means to me. You guys continuing to listen, interact with me on Twitter. Twitter. Um, you know, like I said, it, it's been awesome. It's been a fun ride to have not even been doing this for a year yet and already be growing as much as we are. I really do appreciate it. So until we talk on Thursday, guys, have yourselves a great couple days and uh, me and Dennis will be back on Thursday to talk about the NFC East. Until then, guys, peace. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your pop on ready. Do you got your pop on ready? I came out the wrong line ready. And he's hit the end zone. Touchdown! I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Only they tackle him at the point of line. Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play? I can! <laughs>